Hello everyone, my name is Pastor Maya Rodriguez from C3 Church Las Vegas. I want to welcome you to my weekly podcast. It is a true privilege to be able to share the good news of God's Word with you. Enjoy. Yes, our Connect groups are starting um, officially on Tuesday, right? We said this week, but it's on Tuesday um, because of, of Labor Day. But I did want to tell you guys that we have um, Monday night, take note, I know it's on the app, but I, I, I'm just a mom, okay? So young adults, mixed group of young adults um, with my daughter, Nicole, and my son-in-law, Danny, on Mondays at 7. Yes, come on. Our youth girls have group on Mondays as well. But Lynn, Michelle, and Rochelle, I think I got it right, right? Or Tuesday. You guys have it on Tuesday. Okay. Our other group, young adult, uh, our youth is with Emily, and that is on? Monday, okay, so Monday we have youth girls, Tuesday we have youth girls as well, and then, and then also we have youth boys at Centennial Hills Park with Adrian and Aaron, yes, and that is on Monday, okay, so Monday, Tuesday, lots going on, um, and then we also have a marriage group, it's, it's called Marriage on the Rock, Yes, with Megan and Oscar. Let's see, where's Megan and Oscar? Give it up. They're over in the corner with their little baby. And then that's our drummer, one of our vocalists, our singers. And then we have um, a, a women's group with myself and Liz, my partner in crime. I don't see her here today. Okay, but yeah. But we have a group, and that's on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m., and that's in Zoom. Okay, that's a Zoom group, even though we do dinner parties together, of course. Okay, so we'll be having our dinner party this week. And then we also have prayer. Listen to this, guys. Monday through Friday from 9 to 9.30 p.m. Every day, well, Monday through Friday in English, so we have a prayer group, so go ahead and Zoom. You can just, you know, go on and just hear the audio if you don't want to put video on there. We also have a finance group with Luis and Elizabeth Gereke. Yes, on Thursday, no, on, yes, Thursdays at 8 p.m., and that's also via Zoom. And that's all of our groups for this season. But hopefully I'm praying that next season we'll double our groups. Right, you guys? But we have a really good amount of um, opportunities for you guys to connect with our 930 service. And I hope that you do. I really, really hope that you do. Our, me- our messages have been directed to that about community. You know, we go to God um, for salvation. We go to God for that forgiveness. But I really do believe that we go to God's people for healing. It is relationship with God's people. It's conversations. It's crying together, laughing together, cheering each other on, you know. It's through that that we really grow in Christ. Can I get an amen, church? Come on, can I get a louder amen? How many of you guys came to church this morning? Come on, we're the church. So we, yes, we came to church. And today we're kicking off a new series, and it's called The Battle of the Mind. Yeah, if I was to add an S, I I would really like to the battles of the mind because we're going to be touching on different. But it is a battle that occurs in our mind. And I just 
Heavenly Father, I give it to you. This is your series. This is your word for this church, for your church in this time. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you do what you have to do, that you continue the work that you began during praise and worship. I know that you began a work inside of each and every one of us. And I ask now that your word would be transforming to our lives. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. So this message series is going to be based on Ephesians 6, 10 to 13, and it goes like this. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the the devil's scheme, sorry. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the devil, when the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. This begins, this, this uh, series of verses begins with a finally. Say with me, finally. Come on, say with me again, finally. Say it a third time, finally. Paul is basically saying in conclusion, in closing, or in light of everything I've said previously, finally we get to the good part. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is why I've said what I've said. This is why I've taught you what I've taught you. Finally, I get to, to bring you to, to, the, to the crescendo, in, in a sense, right? To the previous teaching, to everything I've said, what I've established about Jesus and what he's already what what he's already given as fundamentals as basic fundamentals and that's what's happening in this book of Ephesians this word finally is so important because it means that now this this continuing on is very important so in other words now that you know what what happened in Ephesians what did he say in Ephesians prior to this finally who wants to know I want to know. I always ask that. I'm like, why did you say finally, right? If somebody's like, I finally got the job, right? That means like, man, after applying to so many jobs, after being turned down, after looking for so long, right? And somebody's like, finally got married, or I finally had a baby, right? And it, you, you, you say that word finally. I'm like, what's the backstory? Or am I the only type of person that like, those are nosy people, right? We're like, we want to know all the tea. So anyway, so I'm, I'm going to spill it for you, okay? So n- number one, he was talking about, hey, God already did all these things for you. Like, it's already done on the cross, like what Nicole was just saying, right? It's already done. There is nothing more to do in order for you to have salvation except believe in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And then he says, in light of the fact that you already know that you are a child of God, Right? That you're not just his creation, but now through Jesus, you are a child of God and you are seated in the throne next to him. Can I get an amen? And he said, now that you know that God has made you part of his greater plan and now you have eternal life. 
So it's not just for the now, it's for all of eternity. It's like forever and ever 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 and ever. You have eternal life with God. Can I get an amen? And now Paul's like, and now that you understand that you're not just filled with the spirit, you know, to feel the goosebumps, but you're actually walking by the spirit you 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 see things now and you can discern things by the spirit by the holy spirit by the breath of god and he says and not only that but but that you know that you are no longer a child of darkness but you are a child of the light and so he's taught on all of these fundamentals if you get that you've got it right you're like okay i know who i am I have an identity in Christ. I know I'm a child of God. So where are we going forward with that? What happens after that? This is the finally. This is now the good stuff. This is the whipped cream and all the toppings and top of, you know, the fundamentals. You know, we got the fundamentals down, but now we want all of the good stuff. So now he's packing it on, and that's why he says, finally, after knowing all of this, after knowing you are a child of God, after knowing that you are not only his creation, right, but you are his child, after knowing that salvation only comes through Jesus Christ, after knowing that there is nothing that can eliminate you from having that eternal life, after knowing all of this, all of those fundamentals, you're finally, you need to know this. He says, be strong in the Lord. He said, be strong in his mighty power, and put on the full armor of God. Oh my gosh, this just got real. Like, you're no longer on the losing side. It's like when you put on a jersey and you go to a football game or a soccer game. You got to make sure you're not just like surrounded by the opposite team, right, you guys? Right, you guys? And, and then you're like, okay, I guess I'm not going to be cheering that loud during this game. It's scary, it's scary to be seated with one jersey sitting in, an, in a section with everybody else wearing another jersey. Mostly in those soccer games. Things get dirty, right? And they get physical. There, there's a battle, right? And so you're no longer wearing the enemy's jersey. You're wearing God's jersey, right? And you're wearing saved by Jesus Christ, okay? So now you are on that winning team. And what's going to happen? War. Battle. What? I thought, but you guys were just talking about rest. Yeah, rest doesn't mean pina colada on a beach. Rest means that even when you are in trials and temptations, that the peace of the Holy Spirit is going to be within you. And no matter, you could be wherever. You can be in Lake Mead or you can be in Lake Como in Italy. But the, the, you can still have the same peace of God inside of you and still have gratefulness for God for what he's done in your life. That's really the, 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 the key theme here. So he says, put on, because there's a battle going on. He said, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against what? Against the devil. No, not just the devil. The devil's schemes. 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 Have you ever known somebody that's tricky? 
I'm sorry if there's any car salesman in here. I'm sorry. I don't even want to look at you. I know you're a good car salesman. <laughs> no, don't boo them. We love you. I don't even want to look anywhere. <laughs> but usually when we go, right, we're like, you're al- you, we already go thinking they're lying. They could be telling the truth. That's so sad, right, you guys? But don't we already go like, you know, and you go prepared. You got to like mentally prepare yourself and then butter yourself up, you know, so that like all the stuff like, and then they, and then they kidnap you. They kidnap you in a room and they always tell you, write this down, write this down and what amount. And I'm like, it's just, it's just the whole thing's like, you just feel like it's a scheme, right, you guys? Or when somebody tells you, oh, yeah, if you put in so much money, you're going to make, you're going to be a millionaire like that. I'm sorry, that's not true. It's a scheme, okay? So there is some scheming people, serpently like, you know, sliverings, scheming people. Well, the devil's a schemer, right? And he says, you're going to war against his schemes. See, it's not just fight to fight. I mean, I could fight someone I can see, but he doesn't fight face to face. He schemes. He goes behind. He, he plays dirty. And a lot of you guys are, ha- are living life, and you, you think the devil's playing on, on the same playing field, right? In, in the olden days, I was studying, because I'm watching a series, even though my daughters make fun of me, but I love to watch history series. And they say when they used to go into battle, they used to actually, Italians would sit and either have wine or an es- like espresso or, you know, wine something. But they would look their opponent in the face because they, they, would, they would give that way, like, value to them. We're on opposite sides, but here I am. Here I am. See you on the battlefield. The devil doesn't do that. He doesn't look at you and say, oh, I see you on the battlefield. No, he goes, he schemes around. Right? He puts on masks. He uses people's words. And then all night you're thinking about it. All night you're thinking about it. All night you're just thinking about it. You're like, why am I thinking about it? He just uses that. And then you're tired and you're doing this. And he's a schemer. He's a trickster. Right? And then before you can even get into battle out there, you need to realize that you need to win the battle in here. Because he's going to try to scheme in here. In here. Before you can even start to, to battle out there. Before you can even think that you can, I mean, before you can even go get the job. Before you can stand up, right? And, and take the Starbucks card. A lot of us, I was just like, I want the card. I really wanted the card. And I was like, I don't care if she's my daughter and she paid for it. I don't care. I want the card. I really believed I could get the card. I knew she gave it. She was going to give it away and it was a real card because she told me this morning she stopped by Starbucks to buy a gift card. So I knew it was a real card, but I didn't act on it because I didn't think. I, I lost a battle in here. I was like, no, well, nobody, like, I, what does she want us to do? Like, Literally, how many of you guys lost the battle in here? All of us, except for Carissa and Carla. And then they, after they thought about it, they were losing the battle. And then they're like, they reacted. Come on, guys. That's how we are in life. There's things, there's, there's opportunities 
provisions that God wants for us, but then we all night, we're losing the battle in here. All, all, all week, we're losing the battle in here, in our emotions, our thoughts. And so the devil is a schemer, and he's, he's, he's taking that to his advantage. In John 8, 44, Jesus described the devil as this, not holding to the truth. He will never hold the truth. He will tell you bits and parts of the truth, but he will not hold to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, and not only a liar, the father of lies. The devil actually has, and I think this is so interesting, right? His, another name is Belzebu, and that uh, and that's actually means, Belzebu, which actually means the father of the flies. So when we all had to be forced, right, to read that book, The Lord of the Flies, and then we come to find out it was the devil. I don't know if you wrote the report. I did. Okay. Well, so anyway, with the foundation of who the devil is, that he is the father of lies, then what are the enemy's schemes? How does he get us? Well, let's keep reading because I know you want to know. Paul says this, in order for you to be able to know what the, what, what the enemy's schemes are, you first need to know or understand, you need to win the battle in here. You need to win the battle within you before you fight the pa- battle outside of you. Because what? It says, it continues saying, the verse, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So before I tell you what it is, let me tell you what it isn't. Because see, the what it isn't is very important for you human people, right? For us human people. Because the what it isn't is actually where we always think it is. Come on, you guys, don't act innocent. See, we always think our battle is flesh and blood. He's like, your battle is not flesh and blood. Oh, yes, it is. The first scheme the enemy will use is diversion. I'm not talking about Divergent, the movie. But it's kind of an example, right? But diversion. Say with me, diversion. At the heart of all diversions is the fact that the devil wants us to focus on lesser things so we can avoid focusing on the greater things. He wants to keep us preoccupied. He wants to divert our vision to other things instead of looking towards God. If he can get us to divert our attention to lesser things, then we will not have the energy or the time to focus on the greater things. I think I'm speaking to some of us this morning. Whenever God wants to do something amazing in your life, just write this down. Tattoo it on your face if you have to, right? Seriously, put it on a note. Pin it to your back. Take it home with you. Whenever God wants to do something amazing in your life, when he wants to bless you, raise you to another level, promote you, when he wants to deposit in you a greater dream, say this with me. He will always, say always. Say it again like you believe it. He will always. Say it again for the third time. He will always. Always means always, without fail, without a doubt, always, every single time. He will always, the enemy, Satan, will always try to divert your attention, presenting you with an enemy that's not actually your enemy. 
So the title of this message is, When Your Enemy Is Not Really The Enemy. Because we define people, we define situations as our enemy. But that's not actually the enemy. Because the word of God says that your battle, that my battle, is not against flesh and blood. So any time that you think the boss is your enemy, that co-worker, that sneaky, slithering, lying co-worker is your enemy, right? That that woman flirting with your husband is the enemy, that that man fixing your wife's Whatever is your enemy? No, let me tell you, it's not. They're not the enemy. Say it with me. My enemy is not flesh and blood. What? Sure seems like it. Sounds good on paper, right? Sounds super good on paper, spiritual on paper, but it's not reality. I feel like, oh, yeah, you don't know that person. That is a Satan with the skirt, right? Satan with the skirt, just slithering on by. No, the enemy knows very well that if he manages to convince you that flesh and blood, that the boss, that the coworker, don't everybody look forward, everybody, that your spouse, yep, the one sitting next to you, that your friend or your frenemy, right? That your parents, sometimes you're like, why was I born into this family? Right? You're just like, why? We ask the same question. Why did you give me these children? Okay? But we're not the, we're not the enemy, see? Sometimes we convince ourselves. Have you ever seen somebody fighting with the Starbucks barista? I have. Oh, wow, when I walk into the DMV, oh, yeah, I'm just like, oof, get, you know, take the earrings off, getting ready to fight there. Because that is, that's a dirty place, right? You're just ready to fight all the time. You go in on the defensive. You got to watch your stuff. You got to keep the eye on the number. You're like saving your plate. You know, they're, they're just, they're, you're just like, okay, they're going to try everything not to attend me, right, to, to, to help me. They're going to try to look at what box I didn't mark and send me back. I'm going to mark every box. I'm going to sign. I have everything ready. You know, you double check it. Because you're already on the defensive. They're already on your enemy list. And thus, it keeps you distracted in life. You're distracted on your boss and what he said and the Tony said it. You're distracted with the coworker that stole your apple from the refrigerator. Your spouse that didn't say good morning or that your food was good. Your friend that hasn't texted you for a few days. The Starbucks barista that forgot for the third time to put in that double shot, right? The DMV attendant that sent you back three times. So you're so preoccupied with all of that that you don't have the energy to be focused on the real enemy. In the case of David's life in the Bible, that distraction, that one enemy, that one person that could have been his enemy was his brother Eliab. This is the name Eliab. And Samuel, listen to this, Eliab is his older brother. Just picture this, Samuel goes to anoint one of Jesse's sons. There's eight sons. And Jesse only presents seven. 
But the first one he presented was his firstborn child. This is my boy. This is my firstborn, right? And not only was Eliab the firstborn, he was the tallest. He had the height. He had the build of a king. So Samuel looked at him and was like, this one's it. But then in 1 Samuel 16, 6, it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So a lot of times we focus here and we're like, wow, right? God, um, Samuel didn't anoint Eliab. And we move on from the story on to David. That David wasn't even invited to the party. Let's just start with that. The dad didn't even invite him to the party, to the dinner party. He left him out with the sheep. And when Samuel was like, are you sure you don't have another son? He's like, yeah, but that one doesn't count. I brought you the seven that count. See, the one on the fields is the youngest one, and he's tending to the sheep. That's not the one you, I mean, if you didn't choose Elia, my firstborn, look at him. Why would you ever choose him? We move on from the story, right? And, and they call David in. He anoints David as a future king. But let me, just, let me just stay for a couple of seconds on Eliab. He was rejected with all of the other brothers. He wasn't anointed on that day. And he knew he was rejected. He knew that him as the oldest brother with the build and the height didn't get anointed to be king. It wasn't a secret that David got anointed. Samuel saw height, right, but not heart. But God told Samuel, look at the heart. Look at the heart and not the height. David is anointed by Saul to be king. Five years later, five years later, he would fight against Goliath. Years later, about 20 years from when he was anointed, he would become king. 20 years. 20 years. So naturally you can imagine there was a lot of story between the anointed and actually becoming king. Between who you are and the promise being fulfilled. There's a lot of battles that had to happen. And Goliath was one of these giants. The people of Israel were so afraid of Goliath. So now we're going to move five years. And with this, I'm going to close. Five years. Okay. So he's anointed. He knows in the future he'll be king. The crown's ahead of him. Five years later, this about 12, 10 to 12-year-old boy is now about 16. Okay. And now his brothers get sent off to war. And where is David again? Left behind, tending to the sheep. Because he doesn't have the build. He doesn't have the age to be a warrior. His brothers go before him, and now there's this Goliath, this Philistine giant. And it, the Bible describes us as the champion. Not just a giant, a champion. 
He was known as the champion. And he would come out for 40 days and 40 nights. And twice a day he would say, he would come and just, just like put down the Israelites. Just tell them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy you. You are nothing and your God is nothing. The Bible says that he would humiliate them until one day David gets sent by his dad to go and bring them lunch, lunchables. Can you imagine that? David the king, the lunchable carrier. And there he goes to the battlefield, but not as a warrior, not as a champion. He goes sent as a shepherd taking lunchables. Seen by people as a shepherd taking lunchables but anointed by God as a king and a warrior and a champion. 1 Samuel 17, 26 says this, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills a Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then it says, now the Israelites had been saying, the king will give him wealth to the man who kills him, He will also give him his daughter in marriage, and he will exempt him from taxes. Woo, that sounds good to me, right? So at that moment, David's like, I'm no dummy. I'm about to be king, but I need to to work on this. Okay, so what's standing between me and that and wealth? Having a bride, not only any bride, a princess, and not having to pay taxes on what I get? On my weddings? Oh my gosh, that sounds good to me. And they said, you need to kill Goliath. It's like that almost 10-foot champion warrior giant. So then what happens? The devil brings in a diversion. This is, this is where I want you to focus. When Eliab, his brother that had been rejected years before of being anointed, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him. See, it wasn't just that he burned there. He was burning in anger because there was jealousy in the heart. And he burned in anger and he said, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What battle? They weren't even fighting. For 40 days, they were just standing there having word a, a, a war of words. It says verses before that they were trembling, that they were all scared. His brothers weren't even fighting. Yes, they had the armor of soldiers, of warriors, but they weren't fighting. They were paralyzed with fear. David didn't come on his own. He was sent by his dad to bring them lunch. Verses before it said David left his sheep with someone to care for them. He was also responsible. David wasn't conceited. He didn't choose himself. He didn't anoint himself. He wasn't even invited to the party. But did David say all of this to his brother? See, I came up with all of those defenses. That's not what David said. See, David didn't waste time defending himself. Because his brother is his family. His brother, we're on the same side. They're on the same side. They're all Israelites. 
they all believe in God. They all want to beat the giant. But see, the devil will use anyone to try to distract you from the real giant, from the real enemy, from getting that promotion, from getting that promise God has made you. He will distract you with your brother. He will distract you with your friend. He will distract you with that comment. He will distract you with that look. He will have you there for hours, for hours just thinking about that. So distracted and being so distracted all the time in target fighting. I mean, Karen's, stop calling to speak to the manager all the time. Do you know how much time and effort and anger and all that that it takes? I mean, to always be complaining, always writing a negative post, always meddling in people's business, always going and trying to find out what's going on in everybody's life. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of effort. Stop trying to pretend. Stop buying things to impress people that don't even matter. I mean, come on. You're spending all this money. Buy things for your children. Buy things to go on vacation. You know what I'm saying? Don't buy things to impress people. We spend so much time in diversions from the enemy. And David's like, what did I ever do to you? And he just turned around. The Bible says he just turned around. He did not waste time with his brother Eliab. It wasn't in a way of just, just, it was like, you know, I don't have time for this right now, brother. We're going to work on that later. There's a giant for me to kill because there is a promise. There is riches and there is a marriage and I'm going to be tax free. I'm on my way to be king. I don't have time for this. Dude, like, This story is known as David and Goliath. It could have been known as David and Eliab. I know many times my story hasn't been Myra and Goliath. Rather, it's been Myra and that DMV attendant. Nothing against DMV attendants, you guys. Just on my mind right now. I don't even go to the DMV. Instead of being David and Goliath, right? Instead of being you and something... It's you and your husband all the time. It's you and your children. It's you and your parents. That's your story. Instead of being you and the giant, the real enemy, it's you and everyone around you. Those around you aren't your enemies because our enemy is not of flesh and blood. Our enemy is is the devil and he is a liar and he's a schemer and he uses those things to distract us so we don't get the promise from God. Is someone getting something this morning? David was called for much more, you guys. David was called for much more than a, than a, hey, you're just hurt because I this and I left my sheet tented and my dad sent me and I just came to bring you love. He was called for much more. He was called, he's anointed. A chapter before, chapter 16, he's anointed as king. Chapter 17, this is God showing everyone that he chose him for king. By the way he acted. And what better way to divert him from the path that God had predestined for David than trying to convince him that his brother is the enemy. If David would have stayed arguing, can you just imagine the story would have ended so differently. Because he would have used all of his effort and all of his time. If he would have, if it would have stopped him and been like, I couldn't even, I can't, I can't fight. I wasn't even invited to dinner. Yes, I'm anointed as king, but maybe that's, that's just 
no, I know that that can't be it. I, you know, I'm just a shepherd tender. And then he goes to, to Saul, the king, and Saul's like, you? You're going to fight? He literally laughed in his face. And he said, okay, if you're crazy enough to fight, put on my armor. He tried to put his stuff on him. Because he's like, okay, you're crazy, then I'm going to give you my stuff. And he's like, wait, he had to take it off. Like everyone, and he's like, man, nobody, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to kill myself. No, he didn't. He didn't. He was like, no, God loves me. I'm a child of God. He seated me in heavenly places. He put all things under my feet. I am chosen that I cannot merit my salvation, and I don't do it in my power. I don't do it in my name. In the name of Jesus, I come. And that's what David said, in the name of God Almighty, I come. Right? And with a few stones, dude, he knocked that giant down, and he got all of the bounty. He got all of the riches. He was on his way, right, to get the crown, but there was already a king inside of him. He was already a king. See, you got to start walking it. You got to start believing it. You, we are kings and princesses and queens. We are saints in the eyes of our God. See, although this is only the first chapter in the series, I really believe this is kind of like a full message, right? If you've been distracted fighting, many of us have been distracted fighting the wrong enemies. Many of us have been distracted fighting the wrong enemy. I think we could just put a period there and just ask God and say, help me, Father. Help me. You've been looking at the end. You've been thinking that's your enemy, right? And you put a name to that enemy. And I want you just right now in the name of Jesus to erase it because your battle is not against flesh and blood. Who you're married to is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Stop fighting against those you should fight for. Stop fighting. I'm going to say it again. Stop fighting against those you should fight for. We should fight for unity. We should fight for the church. We should fight for our country. Come on, you guys. We need to fight. Tomorrow's Labor Day. Come on. We need to fight for our country. We need to be proud that we live in the best country in the entire world. You're like, I don't know. Then go go to the other country. Go where it's better. You need to fight. You need to believe. We are not fighting against each other. Let's stop fighting against each other. Let's stop fight. Let's start fighting together against the enemy, which is a liar and a schemer. Can I get an amen? So with this, stand to your feet, buckle up. Even though you're standing, buckle up. Many of you get stuck with a simple offense or criticism from a friend. Or an ugly comment from someone that calls themselves a Christian, but isn't. And therefore never manage to face your true enemy. Many of you get stuck fighting Eliab, and so you'll never face Goliath. Many of you, many of us, my question to you, my question to myself is, Lord, am I, am I fighting Eliab? And not fighting who you told me I should fight. Reveal it to me, Father. I don't want to have, I don't want to live cross-eyed. I want to live focused on God. I want to live focused on what he's anointed me. 
and he's anointed us to be his children. As he anointed us as heads and not the tails. He's anointed us to be his ambassadors here on earth. He's anointed us light. He's anointed us peacemakers. He's anointed you a child of God. Can I get an amen? And maybe you've heard this message and you're just like, that all sounds really good. I want that. But you've never, see, Samuel saw height but didn't see heart. But then the verse said, but God sees the heart and not the height. Because when you work on the heart, the height will come. The stature will come. The promotion will come. But you can have someone that has height and no heart. Right? Give your heart to Jesus. I just can't, I just can't continue to, to, to give you this message and send you into battle with, with your own hands and your own strength. It says, put on the strength of the Lord. Be strong and courageous in God. See, I can't send you and tell you, yeah, you're going to be able to fight the enemy on your own. You're not. You need God. So today I want to invite you to open up your heart. And maybe you did this long ago, but you've stepped away from God. And, and you're in a battle and you're losing. You're losing. We're losing in, in areas. I want to invite you now just to give it to God. Open up your heart wide as you close your eyes so that no one distracts you. Open up your heart as big as possible. Just open it. Be available for him this morning. You've already heard the message in your ears. Your mind has understood it. But let it seep into your heart. Let it rest in your heart. And say it with me. Father God, I admit that I cannot do it on my own. I need you. I need you to forgive my sins. I need you to transform my mind. I need you to change my thinking. To redo all of my attitudes. To wash away my past. I receive salvation as I receive your son, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. May he do a good work inside of me. Thank you for saving me, for giving me eternal life. Now give me strength in order to fight my enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray this prayer this morning, I want to tell you the truth. I'm, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the most powerful prayer you have, will ever, these are the most powerful words you would, would have ever said and will ever say. The most powerful prayer, the most transforming, and the most rewarding. Because as you said this prayer and you believe that Jesus not only died on the cross, but was resurrected and paid for your sins, you have the ticket to heaven. You have eternal life guaranteed. You have the Holy Spirit not only with you, but inside of you. Can someone give God the glory for all of that? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your family, friends, frenemies. Lord knows we all need more Jesus. Until next week.